0: Welcome to the second wave of bullshit. I was actually quite shocked today to see on what is now just a window into the mind of the mainstream propagandist known as Drudge Report, the headline from BBC.com, Lockdown Has Affected Your Memory. Here's why. And this story is great. I I, I love this in its its explanation scientifically, uh, psychologically, behaviorally, how how, uh, the isolation, how the lack of of just travel and social interaction has affected our memories. And one of the things they claim is that it's, it's a little early to see scientifically how it does this. But it's pretty clear that we have this uh, as a side effect. But is it, is it, would it really be considered a side effect if it were intentional? And whether or not it, it – maybe this is going to the next level of conspiracy theory to suggest that, oh, yes, they're, they're doing it just like this to mess with your memory. But uh, at the University of – just one, one thing to cite from the story. At the University of California, Irvine, research – is beginning on how the lockdown has affected people's memories. It's been reported that even some of those amazing people who usually remember events like buying a cinema ticket 20 years earlier because they have highly highly superior autobiographical memory are finding they are forgetting things. So it's worth going back and reminding you of some things over the past eight months of coronaphobia. And uh, I, I don't want to say I'm not affected by this. Although I love my life, uh, normally of isolation, unlike doing the show right now on the road, I love I love being able to <clears throat> to, to have my homestead, our ten acres in the mountains of Arizona. But I don't want to pretend that I'm not affected by this. sir uh, So I I, I feel that like as we go into this second wave of bullshit, and that's what it is, and, I, and I gotta say, I was I'm, I'm disappointed. I, I must have been wrong about something because I was hoping that after the election, uh, this, would, this would, would would fade a little bit, that at least some of the motivation for, for promoting coronaphobia uh, in, in order to sway the outcome of the election, you know, that, that that would at least somehow reduce the conspiracy of conspiracies. But clearly this is something with a, a global... Transgovernmental momentum that we're just going to have to see play out one way or another. But now that we come to this, uh, the new excuses of, of the new peaks, we'll get to that data, there's something worth reminding ourselves of, to make sure that they don't go down the memory hole. And as I have said in the past, if we allow the victors to write the history, or in this case, the authorities and the profiteers of COVID, then we will get a narrative that will only serve further victimization. And that's what this is. I'm not here to deny the reality of the virus, that it's a real thing, lab-grown, natural, from a a bat or a monkey or some other, who knows, foreign fear, a pangolin, perhaps, (laughs) Uh, a bat. I, I don't. I don't care. Obviously, there's a real virus. I don't think they would fabricate it from whole cloth. No, that doesn't make any sense. Why? Why when you can take something that that exists in the global human petri dish, or even as a regular recurrence, as your excuse for the ripoffs and manipulations that have gone around this? So the Wall Street Journal has this headline: Hundreds of companies that got stimulus aid have failed. <clears throat> yeah. Recipients of PPP loans have filed for bankruptcy after the money ran out. About 30 companies that received as much as half a billion dollars in pandemic-related government loans have filed for bankruptcy, according to Wall Street Journal analysis of government data and court filings. Many of the companies, which employ a total of about 23,400 workers, say the funds from the Paycheck Protection Program weren't enough to keep them going as the coronavirus and lack of additional stimulus payments weighed on their businesses. Now, this is really a small drop in the bucket because we knew that this was going to happen. We knew that just a a clumsy approach by government, a uh, one-size-fits-all, when your only tool is a hammer, every problem looks like a nail kind of approach, that you were going to have these consequences. But it really doesn't compare to the enriching of the rich that we have seen, the super rich. And, and, And we are simply reminded. You cannot say that government is failing because the purpose of government is to keep the super-rich getting richer at the expense of the rest of us. And this is one more way they do it in this conspiracy of conspiracies. We've seen Elon Musk's net worth keeps going up, Jeff Bezos keeps going up, uh, Bill Gates, all of these profiteers. And, and, and they want you to, look, to think that, it's oh, they're not... It's, there's all this money-changing hands around rather, coming into our concentrated few hands. And there's, there's no manipulation around it. No, there couldn't possibly be anything dishonest around any of that. It's just, it's, it's just the way the flesh is. It's a problem with the market. We need more government, obviously. So what's the latest fear-mongering out of the data? And I, I've, I've stayed away from this. And I don't feel like I've been any less responsible in my journalistic duties by doing so, to stay away from the fear porn of graphs and charts and data and statistics. But I have to deconstruct this one little piece that is being used to justify the second wave of shutdowns and lockdowns that didn't work. Wait, wait, they didn't work? So we have to do them again because things are getting worse. We did these things. We didn't. We did these things to, to mitigate the effects of the virus, and then the virus got worse. So those things that uh, e- either didn't work or made things worse or were uh, completely ineffective, but we're going to do more of that even though it comes at a great cost and has all of these other consequences. Sometimes just subtly saying, hey, I need to reframe this in, in, in order to see the truth. So this headline from Axios, COVID cases are peaking now in most of the country. Oh, really? Peak. Wait a second. But most of the country, not all the country, because this is just another way of looking at the data and saying, oh, look, we've gotten more tests out. We've gotten more cases because we've gotten more tests out. And so now they're at their peak. You can't just say it's going up. If something, if something is just going up, at any point say it's odds that it's peak. But peak's suggests it's, it, it's coming down, but that's not what they're saying. They're using this, it's just, this is a, it's just one more manipulation of the data to, to, to scare people into compliance and, and to create this false picture because we don't have anything else. And, and so they, it, there's this new way, I, I mean, I, I, I don't think I've seen anything like this. I think this is a truly unique phenomenon. Uh, of, of coronaphobia, this uh, this overwhelming propaganda by statistics. So you see CJ hovering over the map. Look at this. And and once when they throw these complex data sets at you and these graphics and the maps and, like, oh, it's interactive and, look, you can plan your travel. Is it going to be dangerous if you go see your family over Thanksgiving? I tell the people not to. That's how scared you should be one of the stories that we saw about this uh yesterday was saying that uh no 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 we need to we need to really lock down thanksgiving this year and do it remotely so that we can all be healthy for next year and be alive and i'm just ah yeah the sooner we give up our freedoms the sooner we'll get them back Oh, you just—it it really shouldn't be that hard to read between the lines at this point. And I don't know how much people are really going along with this. In some places, you see uh, wearing a mask is, is is optional. It's no big deal. A lot of, like in Arizona, I, one of these maps, that if, if you scroll down, there's a map where you you have the states where face coverings are mandatory. And the one undeniable thing we're starting to tease out from the statistics we've been seeing is that the virus really doesn't care about your policies. Uh, n- none of them seem to have uh, a meaningful impact. But one of them, the, 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 to me, this is particularly offensive. It, it, it just, not just counter-scientific, but completely irrational. Curfews. CJ, skip has This right from Fox Business. California considering statewide curfews. Amid COVID nineteen surge, Governor Newsom says officials are discussing whether to implement a curfew and key details about how it would be enforced. Oh. Is, it, is there something I missed in the side? Was, was there some big headline earlier in the year talking about Corona that just that we just completely missed on Adam versus the man that says the, the virus only comes out after ten p.m. It goes away during the daytime. Like I, I, I don't know. If there's some like stretch in, in, in the rationale that, like, well, we have to be able to control people. People are more controllable during the daytime, and it's really easy to get, like. Bad stuff happens at night, so we're gonna try. We're gonna control the night. We're gonna rule the night. Or, oh geez, You know what? It reminds me of when I was in Fallujah. I just sound like an old guy. Right ah, back up right now now. We have better night vision technology, so we're going to own the night in Iraq. Is, is, is that it? The virus doesn't come out after 10 o'clock or only comes out after 10 o'clock, and if everybody's in bed by that or at home by that, like, we can't get it? And I, there, there might be some other little, like, subjective things where they, where they say, well, we, we can control people so we can enforce mask mandates better. And you know we don't want people going out and being drunk and irresponsible. They're on and pretend they They're going to be drunk and they're going to be high and they're going to be less likely to follow mask mandates. Uh, you could just as easily say that if you if you like New York is New York already did this. We like, we covered this. This isn't new. I mean that's part of my point. I, it, it, is it is it getting old already? we restarted Adam versus the band, along with President Trump's national uh, emergency declaration and his daily press briefings on coronavirus to give this counter-narrative, and we're still doing this. By the way, can, any, can anybody claim to be uh, a Trump supporter uh, in, 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 and a uh, sort of mandate denier at this point? Yeah, Trump is, Trump's got his hands all over this. And if he's in his lame duck session now, you can see what's he really all about? Considering bombing Iran, yes, we're going to get to that story today, of course, as well. But the second wave that's happening is like, whoa, whoa, whoa we got to be afraid now. Is your, are you just? Let's remember how we started the show today. Do you remember? 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 It was a story about about how lockdown might be affecting your memory. And maybe not you, maybe maybe not you, dear, dear viewer of of Adam versus the Man. Maybe you have taken our message to heart of seeing this for what it is, of responding rationally, not falling for the fear-mongering, not forgetting the fundamental nature of government and all this, not forgetting why they're doing this, not forgetting the impact of all of this, remembering to ask, who benefits? Who profits? And a lot of this, and a lot, of, a lot of people are are, are really tempted to go uh, a little too far, so to speak, in the conspiracy theory. Here is there was it was it grown in a lab? Is there a single global plan to get everybody to, to have this massive rip-off? I mean, again, step back and, and just don't forget that what we have seen over the past year represents possibly and, and certainly numerically the greatest single event of, of, of a concentration of wealth and power into the hands of the few at the expense of everyone else. They can't hide that. Now, in uh, California, there's the daily COVID-19 cases have doubled over the last 10 days, forcing the governor's office to pull an emergency break, Newsom said at a press conference detailing the state's response. A total of 41 of California's 58 counties are now classified as purple the tier of COVID-19-related spread requiring the strictest lockdown guidelines. Just 13 counties were classified purple last week. Now, just because I never hear about this in the analysis, I know that this is, you know, just further proof that uh, 86.75309% of all statistics are made of bullshit intended to manipulate you. The idea of a curfew uh, we're assessing that as well. Oh, well, that that's really reassuring, Mr. Newsom. Thank you so much. He said, as he said, quote, before you jump in terms of your mindset of whether that's a good idea or a bad idea, we are assessing that as well. Oh, well, if the government assesses it and decides it's for my own good, well, then I, I, I must I must agree with them, right? No. Absolutely not. From the Wall Street Journal, I, I got to say there's, there's a very encouraging headline. It's COVID-19 surges, Florida six to no statewide restriction. Governor DeSantis vows state will never again issue lockdown, prevents local officials from enforcing mandates. So this is, I, I mean, hey, Florida man, I, I'm actually really encouraged by this, and I, I've said this from the beginning that the, the, the greatest source of hope is that we are going to be able to compare and contrast. But only if we remember, only if we are paying attention. And it shouldn't be that hard. Uh, you know, Brad Brown is in our producer's club right now. This year has been the longest decade of my life. Isn't that a little cliche, sir? Aren't we, all we have to do is remember back eight months. And I know it's been a hard year. I know it's been a hard year. But it Again, if we write the history, if we, the people, write the history of this thing, if we remember, then we're going to be able to come out of this with positive momentum, to see past the fear. Another one of these headlines radio.com, <clears throat> uh, WWJ 950, w, uh, WJ, WWJ News Radio 950. Inmates being paid. Two dollars an hour to help El Paso morgue after area overwhelmed by COVID deaths. Now, there's a lot of subjective in this headline, and I, re- I read this entire story. And the crazy thing is, there, there's there's no substantiation of of what overwhelmed by COVID deaths means. Is there a number? Is there is there like how many? They, 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 now, I don't want I don't want to be I don't want to be a denier. But I know I know i mean as much as I know about it, as much as I can know anything with 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 certainty that these numbers are being exaggerated that this is being sensationalized and, and, and not even in any you know extreme out there way that i that I can point to uh, except in the effects because this could all be again conspiracy of conspiracies. It's not just that uh, there there are people specifically plotting to do this and that, but that, hey, the media always conspires to sensationalize things. That that television, news, radio, internet, uh, editorial teams, well, can we call it, can can we punch up that headline a little bit? But now there's so many people that have that kind of motivation to blow this thing up, to increase the fear that it seems to have taken on a life of its own, it Someone seems to have gotten carried away now. Overwhelmed by COVID death. Uh, pretty subjective. Some, some inmates in West Texas are being asked to work in El Paso more as COVID-19 deaths overwhelm the region. The inmates that we recruited to help are low-level offenders and part of the trustee program and are being paid $2 per hour according to the El Paso County Sheriff's Office. The sheriff's office didn't say exactly what work they're doing, but some photos show them moving bodies to one of the several mobile morgues set up outside the medical examiner's office.
1: There are currently eight
0: additional units, soon to be ten mobile morgue units. Now, I mean, is this this a normal thing? That there are always, you know, trustees working for $2 an hour helping out other government functionaries? doesn't strike me as particularly out of the norm but now we have something else a little bit more disturbing from the New York Times read Abelson, via yahoo.com doctors are calling it quits under stress of the pandemic and you would think right this is this is there, there's a there's a danger that we're seeing played out in the way that Americans read the news often now online, skimming headlines, a la Drudge Report. And if you just read the headline, you go, oh, my gosh, the pandemic's really bad. But if you go into the story, you read, again, you read the story. Two years ago, Dr. Kelly McGregory opened her own pediatric practice just outside Minneapolis where she could spend as much time as she wanted with patients, and patient parents could get all of their questions answered. But just as her practice was beginning to thrive, the coronavirus hit the United States and began spreading across the country. As an independent practice with no real connection to a big health system, it was awful, McGregory said. At one point, she had only three surgical masks left and worried that she could no longer safely treat patients. Families were also, staying away, concerned about catching the virus. I did some telemedicine, but it wasn't enough volume to really replace what I was doing in the clinic. And here's another one of these... these, You see the real reason here. you, You don't even have to to like dig deep and I wonder you know, how many how many layers more of analysis can we do here but just to go from the headline to thinking about the story and what's a, how the actual dynamic of the facts they're presenting contradicts the emotional impression that you might have gotten from the headline these it oh it's the pandemic they can't take it from the pandemic and and, and, and and to be fair there are some places where this is the case but again it's it, it, it isn't even the pandemic so much as the insufficient system of support for the medical profession. And so, yes, there there's some who have, have uh, quit because they're dealing with Corona cases, at least uh, allegedly. Although, again, given how much I've seen this lied about, I have a hard time believing that that's even significant when they're talking about this as a problem. And we've covered, again, I, I, I hate to sound like it, this is just, Getting getting repetitive because we've covered this from the beginning. Because at the beginning they said, oh look, people aren't going to be able to come in for uh, routine medical care or anything that's that's routine or non-essential. Remember this? Non-essential medical procedures get pushed back and back and back and back until they become essential, and you have a serious degradation in people's health that you can you can track overall. We're starting to see that not just in the mental health. But even here, think about this. If this is a typical experience for a pediatrician in the United States you can't do business because people are afraid to come in, there are so many consequences of that that are, are just so destructive. And now we're getting, again, daily beast, and this is the measure. Of how much we we have fallen for this. We're back in the no toilet paper phase of COVID 19. What? Now, they remember, it says better sequel there. Experts say this time will be different, that we've learned our lessons. Have you? Or is that have you? Have you? I don't know, different ways to read that subtitle there. But this is. We didn't learn to just, like, oh, you should always have basic supply stock. When Deidre checked her, clocked in for her shift at a Winco Foods Supermarket in Seattle at 4 a.m. on Monday, the store's shelves were replete with paper towels and toilet paper based on customers' shopping habits over the past few months. It should have been more than enough to meet demand. But within hours, Deidre, who, like other grocery store workers in the store, asked her last name to be withheld, to speak candidly about her workplace, and her team realized this wasn't just another Monday. Wait. She's at the Winco Food Supermarket in Seattle, and her name is Deirdre. But if you withhold her last name, no one will know who she is. Okay, Toilet paper was moving so fast that by 1 p.m. Deirdre and her colleagues decided to implement limitations on the number of such items each customer could buy. And just an hour later, at the end of her shift, she recalled, we were already down to where you could see the back walls are going really fast now. This wasn't an isolated run on the shelves as COVID-19 cases continue to spike across the nation. Some states, like Washington, start ramping back up lockdown measures after months spent loosening restrictions. America is once again witnessing a surge of panic shoppers hoarding the most primal of consumer goods. Local reports, accounts on social media, and interviews point to bare shelves in supermarkets along the West Coast, as well as in major cities. In the northeast, southwest, Great Lakes region, Texas, and beyond, did we, did we, did we really forget this? It this didn't once already, and now we're doing it again. And, and can we, can we bust out all the good memes? Can we make fun of people for hoarding toilet paper? That like this is, that, like, first of all, if you're do, if you're rushing out to buy, buy toilet paper, when you, you deserve to be made of, made fun of for two things. One that you're rushing out to buy, to buy toilet paper and not food, and two, that you aren't already reasonably stocked up on both, such that a hey, surge in cases is going to prompt you to do this kind of panic buying. So I, I'm shocked to see that as much as they're still getting away with this second wave of bullshit, uh, the, the there is a pandering to the undercurrent of dissent here. And uh, Tucker Carlson, Fox News, one of the top names in uh, political punditry. This headline from foxnews.com, an editorial from Tucker himself, the elites want COVID-19 lockdowns to usher in a great reset. And that should terrify you. The most intimate details of our lives are being controlled by our leadership class. And that's that's an interesting term here. And uh, as John Oliver would call him, Human boat shoot Tucker Carlson, has uh, an, an interesting perspective here. But then he would call them the leadership class. It, it, it is certainly, uh, I mean, if you can see them as that. I've interviewed Tucker Carlson on the street. Uh, we, we, we had an interesting viral video mentioning 9-11 from years ago in 2008 in New Hampshire. Uh, when I was covering the Republican primary, there was a Ron Paul supporter, but now he's saying he's calling them the leadership class, which makes me wonder if that's a kind of controlled opposition. Right? You can question them as long as you recognize that they are good and necessary, and that they lead us and can lead us out of it. Whereas, if you really take a step back, so I, I, I'm I'm grateful that that Tucker Carlson is is coming out. Uh, as directly as this and pointing out what what is, the, the I mean, the biggest immediate problem with this. I mean, skipping ahead to the last part of Tucker's column here, what does the Great Reset look like? This is what it looks like, the people in charge doing whatever they want because they're in charge. There will be no live music in the Great Reset. Choirs will be illegal unless they are singing the praises of Kamala Harris. Christmas will be banned. Sorry, put on your mask and spend the holidays alone. Good luck. So how long can all this continue, this weird and yet weirdly recognizable combination of hypocrisy and authoritarianism? Well, it's hard to imagine it could go on forever. In his letter last month to the president, Archbishop Vigano wrote this, and it's worth hearing. This great reset is designed to fail because those who plan to do not understand that there are still people ready to take to the streets to defend their rights, to protect their loved ones to give a future to their children and their grandchildren. Let's hope that's true. So this was Tucker's opening monologue last night. And I will just go back again to the story we opened today's episode with. Lockdown has affected your memory, and here's why. And I would say to Tucker Carlson, that there's something you're forgetting. And if you just take a quick survey, you look back at current events, recent, recent events, events of this last year around COVID, Mr. Carlson, you would be able to remember all of the evil that this has been done, that, that has already been done using COVID as the excuse. You wouldn't call them the leadership class the elites, the superclass, even those seem like unnecessarily neutral terms. And maybe to those who just so happen to be rich and, and complacent and not really drivers of the evil of the system, perhaps. Perhaps those are appropriate terms. Although I've heard them described as the as the predator class in terms of those driving this policy and promoting all of the evils that go along with it, I would say it's a much more appropriate term. But even that doesn't quite capture it. If you look back, if you really remember and challenge yourself to remember, to look back, not just of recent history of the last eight months, but of all of human history, The people who are driving the coronavirus crisis, the coronaphobia, the coronavirus response have always been with us. The parasite class. Now revealing themselves, perhaps in a desperate play, perhaps with a never before seen unprecedented viciousness. But I don't think so. They're not making war the way they used to. The exploitation is not as destructive as it used to be. And if you keep in mind, if you truly remember these things, which I would like you to keep in mind for historical perspective, the only way to describe this is in the second wave of coronavirus bullshit, the parasite class is revealing its true nature. And today is Tuesday November 17th congratulations we made it We are two weeks out from the worst election of your lifetimes and still don't know where this one is going now it looks pretty good like the uh, looks pretty good honestly good that sounds like I'm biased. It looks like we are kind of wrapping things up. it looks like the momentum really is swinging to Biden I, I hope I'm not I'm not presuming or, or expressing any biases myself here. As we figured out on the show yesterday, as a libertarian, we would rather see it go back to Trump, just for shaking people's confidence in the system. The 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 uh, the last thing that we would want is to have the government conduct a smooth transition of authority, transition of power, and be able to say, "Look, the system works. Uh, Trump was just an anomaly, and and uh, everything is okay." And we can we, we respond to the will of the people. So we've got a great show stacked up for you today. we got a little political block. We're going to catch up on some foreign policy today uh, without getting news. Uh, There's not that much election news. But it's kind of a relief. It's kind of a relief. Again, it feels like the momentum is going away. But Robert Proxel, uh, Jr., I hope that's how you say it, Pro, Proxel, Proxel, Jr., joins us today at the top of the hour. Uh, and... There, he, he's going to be sharing a really interesting legal story with us, entangling with the law around the drug war. Currently, uh, let's see, he's facing—he's he's done some—he's uh, got some drug trafficking arrests. At one point, they found about forty thousand dollars worth of marijuana <clears throat> and concentrates locked in my airtight coolers under ice. Yeah, we're going to explain that story. But there's there's one thing I think about this uh, that, that's really cool is that he had a do not detain placed on him for a, a year or so by the DEA, and once got pulled over for going over 185 miles an hour in racing. The officers ran his license and then released everyone in the vehicle with a simple request to please slow down. No arrests or tickets, not even a warning. Yeah, yeah, I got to learn how to pull that off, right? So check it out. We're gonna we we have we have Jim joining us today. Comment, Jim, freedom. Comment, Jim. Would you join us on stage at this point? Let's see if we can uh, – I, I hope that wasn't, you know, too much, too, too much ramble in an opening monologue, but I think it's an important perspective right now to just remind people what got us to this second wave of lockdown, second wave of bullshit. And, and I have to you – yeah, know, I don't want to say I was wrong uh, because I didn't say it could go either way, but I was more inclined to believe that things would would, would let up. Uh, after the election, and, and if anything, we've seen the opposite effect or the opposite uh, trend, and, and of course, at this point, this thing has a global momentum beyond anything that could happen in the United States, but with what's happening in the United States right now, you know, uh, it doesn't feel good, and I'm traveling, man, I'm traveling right now, it's uh, it's a little weird, you know, we were, by the way, Jim, have you ever been to Oregon? Yes. When when you did you, did you drive through Oregon?
1: Yes, you drove your own vehicle. Yeah, yeah, I was uh, operating a moving company at the time. I drove a a, a truck and a 24 foot trailer behind it, fully enclosed.
0: And about your driving experience, what, what what was the one thing that set Oregon apart from the rest of the country,
1: except New Jersey? Uh, the beauty, just the yeah. the mountainous ridiculousness well, how, of the, the landscape. How long ago was that, Jim? Uh, three, four years, maybe.
0: Okay. So, no, you were in this time. There's something you're not allowed to do in Oregon or New Jersey with your vehicle. Do you know what I'm talking about? This uh, is – this is, maybe I should – maybe I should wait on this. Maybe this should be our contest today. Who's – First person to put in the comments, this might be really quick. Someone's going to go, oh, yeah, boom, boom, boom. There's one thing you're not allowed to do uh, with your vehicle. I won't be any more specific than that, or I'll give it away. Uh, In New Jersey or Oregon, and they are the only states in the country where this is true. And I was just thinking about it because I'm, I'm driving through Oregon going, Oh, and I, I'm going to tell it when someone gets this, I'm going to tell the story. But this is how you win membership oh, in the Producers Club today. What, did you get it already?
1: Well, somebody told me in the private chat backstage. Oh, okay, of course, in the Producers <laughs> Club. Yeah, no, in the private chat within StreamYard. Oh, yeah, yeah, Okay, so the stream so of the backstage. actually state. told me
0: Yeah,
1: that. okay. Okay, so no one, so it's not in any of the public comments yet. No one's gotten right. it. right.
0: So this is our contest. If you want to join the Producers Club, maybe this will be over quickly. We'll see. I had we'll heard it.
1: this, too, when I saw that. That's why I was like, oh, that's, you uh, know, I, I had heard this before, but I wasn't making the connection. But go ahead.
0: So, yeah, you can win membership in the Producers Club. You go to com. You can buy your way in at Patreon.com slash Man for $10 a month. We really appreciate everybody who joins us there. And then you get to join Jim. <laughs> and CJ <Hello>. and myself <laughs> and uh, Mercedes and Marcus backstage in the producers Club. And it's this is where we get most of the headlines for the show. It's been really cool. All right, uh, someone's already posted a meme in there with a toilet paper roll. If you need 144 rolls of toilet paper for a 14-day quarantine, you probably should have been seen a doctor long before COVID-19. <laughs> uh,
1: Oh, yeah, St- well, Status chimed in with one that's popular around this time. He was saying, uh, "I got an eight pack of Charmin UltraSoft. I'll trade for a decent Hawaiian Highlander, a championship-winning sports team." <laughs> 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 Be slanging that toilet paper.
0: Oh, oh man, are we I I, I saw that, the headline this morning about this. I was like, "Really? Are we really back to this?"
1: Yeah, I got a sister that works at Walmart, so I was way ahead of the curve. I heard it. As soon as she got to work, she was like, well, we're in the stupid again. And I was like, oh, boy. I got <laughs> oh, by on, the way, so.
0: we've, we've got the answer to today's tribute question in the Bullshitters Anonymous chat already, but we're not going to say it because those are all people who are members of the Producers club already. This is how you actually talk to us during the show as well, but uh, first person to get it. In, uh, in, in the comments, we'll win membership in the producers club. We try to give away two or three memberships a week. It's a lot of fun. Uh, but that's it's really where the editorial prep for the show takes place. And one of the things that made me think about this, uh, Jim, in, in terms of like, what, what you're not allowed to do that in Oregon? It's like, because Oregon just made all drugs decriminalized, basically. Right. I don't want to say legal. A lot of people are are misreporting that, and and this is one place that distinction is really important. They didn't legalize, but they, they did significantly decriminalize personal possession of, of drugs across the board in the state of Oregon. So we were driving through yesterday, and I was like, wait a second. You can do all of those drugs, but you can't, you can't do this with your car? And then I was like, oh yeah, same thing in New Jersey. Not, but you would think by now, (laughs) like if they can figure out the drugs thing, they would have figured out this this car thing. So someone in the uh, in the the chat already gets it, but no one in the comments. That'll be our our first winner for uh, for this week for membership in the Producers club. Cj Wayson says he has an objection. This. CJ, do you need to get on screen here? What's the objection? Why are you giving away a producers club
1: membership on such an easy question on a Tuesday? To Google, a couple people already I, got it. Yeah, right. Like I was gonna say, like ah, that's, that's it. it.
0: <laughs> that's a good <laughs> trivia question. I feel like <laughs> it devalues <laughs> the value of the producers club. Is it <laughs> Is really that, that easy? Jim didn't. Objection. Jim didn't get it, it first.
1: Well, I just didn't make the connection. Jim if you would have kept up through Oregon. It. Yeah,
0: I'm just saying. I kind of
1: think I've done a lot of driving, and I feel like there was another place that was like <laughs> that, but it might have been a county or some shit.
0: All right, so people already got this in the comments.
1: Yeah, do you want the first person that got it?
0: Yeah, then the first person who got it will be the winner. Yeah, congratulations. Thank you, Eric.
1: Welcome to the Producers Club. <laughs> Email me Jim at thefreedomline.com, and we will get you set up with that uh, Producers Club. Right. CJ will will welcome you. He'll he'll get used to you being in there, even though he feels like he didn't earn it.
0: <laughs> Objection! I still object. Well, hey, we, we will can... welcome you. We got it to, to the one who was first. So we oh got it off the top of his head there because he actually knew what I was Jim, talking about. Up together, together faster than anybody else. <laughs> All right, so so uh. Mr. Cinderman, you can be the black sheep of the producers' club, and CJ will give you a hard time. <laughs> All right, welcome to the club. But Jim, about the uh, you know the bigger the bigger topic today, like uh, you know, like we were getting on with the with the toilet paper jokes here, because that's that's the only way we can deal with serious issues. Oh, I gotta be able to laugh. But this is 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 this gonna be as bad as the first one? Is there gonna be the same? in economic suffering and panic and fear and anxiety around the second wave—are they really ramping up all of that? And is, is it really, you know, completely fabricated? In terms of, well, they're just—they're—they're they're just manipulating the. And I don't mean completely. Again, I got to cave on all this—all this crap because they—they they have put forth this, you know, big confusing picture with all sorts of deliberate layers of. Know, misrepresentation, um, but you know, is is this the surge in numbers just because the tests are getting out more, and they, they it, it was it was already there.
1: Probably. Anybody, I mean,
0: anybody engaging with this in the comments, Jim, tell me someone cares. Someone's going to help us
1: get a handle yeah, plenty on Plenty people care. Uh, some one of them, uh, low key, I think it was, if I can find it. He was asking, and I, I think it's a good question, why why is the toilet paper shortages why do you think people that go after toilet paper first in a pandemic he says I'm paraphrasing obviously why Why is it that people go for the toilet paper first, why is that the first thing that disappears, make some kind of sense out of that, because I can't
0: (laughs) as opposed to like Emma Reeves, or like actual whatever, whatever. I
1: mean yeah Medicine.
0: Well, I I honestly, I I don't have like a singular good answer to that, but there are a couple things that I would point out and try. I mean, and maybe this should be the actual trivia question for the day. Like the best answer as to why toilet paper is going first these days. Like that this is the thing. Uh, Part of it is that it's it's the comfort you're responsible for yourself, right? Uh, you go to the store, you get a toilet paper, you make sure it's there when you take it down. Like, you know, it's, and, and that's this strange luxury that, that we have come to expect above and beyond, or in, in a way, right, right, like separate from food, water, electricity, shelter. Right, so you would think that, you know, we would those would be, would be the kind of things we look to for security in times like this. But I think people are so secure in that. And and is that a good thing or a bad thing? And it's both because, in a way, it's a good thing that humanity has progressed to this point where, you know, a pandemic comes and we go, oh, shit, make sure I got my Netflix and my toilet paper. And I I don't know, like, you don't even have to worry about frozen dinners being available. I I don't – I do think there is a certain – like positivity and, oh, like that's the level of what we we have the luxury of worrying about. But then at the same time, you know, one of the other stories that, that we have to cover today, uh, Jim, and, and actually I really should have covered this in uh, in my opener, is the thing about food banks. Um, you saw that headline in the Producers Club. Uh, yeah. Do I have it here? Is it? <clears> or <throat> is it? Do you know what I'm talking about Jim? Do you see that headline? There was um thousands lined up. I don't want to misquote this. Uh but thousands lined up for a food bank in in uh in Texas and people were making a big deal about it about that as as a data point. Maybe I maybe I didn't bring it up in the links because I was like, yeah, we've covered this. But it 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 really does we, we, oh here it is. Um from Uh, DFW-CVS local thousands line up in Dallas for North Texas Food Bank's largest mobile food distribution ever. Thousands of families lined up in Dallas on Saturday for a giveaway hosted by the North Texas Food Bank, and the organization called it its largest ever organized. Organizers said the NTFP gave away over 7,000 turkeys and around 600,000 pounds of food, in fair part to those families in need as the holidays approach and the COVID-19 pandemic continues. You know, I think about that joke we used to tell, right, back back before we had food lines in the United States, where you know, there's two old women in Soviet Russia standing in line at a food bank, and they they say, "Can you believe it? In the United States, the government doesn't even bake bread for its people." Well, now the government is baking bread for the people, and we are lined up for it instead of being able to, you know, feed ourselves properly. So. Was this two days in a row in a hotel there's like construction going all over our heads.
1: oh wow where were on, you were. <laughs> we're on
0: were. we're on the top floor of a hotel, and now there's someone stomping around on the is that baby is that the roof someone walking on the roof <laughs> did
1: you Did you ask to be on the top floor so that there would be nobody above you thought of that. <laughs> And you still end up with somebody above you. That's great. Uh, uh, That's the Rona. I, I, that sounds like instruction on the roof, doesn't it?
0: This is, this is. All
1: right. George <laughs> Billbrook uh, on Facebook asks Adam Kokesh, how much do you want to come talk in my town?
0: Where's your town?
1: Where's your, your town? That's going to be my question, yeah. Oops.
0: Well, I, I, just, I, I was just catching up on email yesterday. I got invited uh, to be a speaker at the Wisconsin Libertarian State Convention this next year, in April. So looking forward to that Getting the details and getting into promoting that soon here. Are you going to go find out what that is? Is You 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 don't have to, like, (laughs) is it bothering you now?
1: (laughs) He's in Warrensburg, Missouri. It's 50 miles east of KC, Kansas City. All
0: right. We'll make it happen. Email me. Adam at the Freedom Line. But, hey, uh, Jim, aside from the toilet paper question, I mean, anybody else weighing in on that?
1: Well, yeah, low-key actually brought up what I was going to say. If you're talking about survival, if you're literally at a point where you think, oh, man, things could get bad and I could be stuck in my house for a while, Toilet paper would be one of the things that's lower on the list because you could, I mean, if the shit really hits the fan, so to speak, then you can just use hand towels and wash them, you know what I mean? And that would be more cost-effective, and you could use your money for more intelligent survival equipment, you know, if that makes any sense. That's what low-key <laughs> you yeah. I can use a rag and wash it and use it again, so soap would be cheaper. You know. uh, uh, so I like where I, you were trying to go with that, giving them the benefit of the doubt. But I don't know. George kind of agreed with you. He said, "I think people are secure enough in survival, but wiping your ass is a luxury most people don't want to give up." And any correction, yeah. at least they think they are secure enough in survival.
0: Exactly, exactly, because they don't realize, oh, hey, you might be the one in in line at the food bank next, uh, in order to get your Thanksgiving dinner.
1: Uh, and Philip says not if the power grid goes down because there's no water. Uh, you could, well, you, you could see that? find a way. But,
0: that, you know. but that's what I was getting at next. I mean, like, for me, like, living off grid or traveling, you know, like, I don't have to worry about it the same way. But I would think, like, if toilet paper ran out where I'm at, I mean, we got paper towels, we got Kleenex, we got, you know, twigs and sticks and leaves
1: and grass. <laughs> and hand and then wash it really really
0: good <laughs> uh, uh, you, don't have, you don't have to go to that but no it's a little ballot it's not like it's totally out there like if people were buying like if people were rush- rushing to buy a fidget spinners, like oh my god if there's a lockdown and I don't have something to spin and when I'm getting fidgety oh, shit's gonna be really bad here I'd be like oh my god have we really come that far that's, that's nice I'm glad I'm glad that you're you think that's what you have to worry about. But, like, I would, like, this thing about the water, like, that, maybe that's what makes this a unique phenomenon is that we are so on grid with sort of everything else. I mean, when you live in a big city and you can get food delivered from, uh, you know, a driver delivery at, and and pretty soon by drone, right, it's going to just drop out of the sky, you're basically on grid for food Water, power, entertainment, and shelter. If you're already, if you've already got your shelter covered, if you're in some, you know, government housing unit that's got an eviction moratorium on it, at least for now, right? But you're not on grid for toilet paper. They haven't figured out, except I guess Amazon Prime automated retail delivery by drone coming soon to a neighborhood near you will take care of that problem too. You know, what are we going to be panic buying when, when uh, toilet paper is? Is that easily available? Who knows. But no, this this bigger like we've been watching this really since the election creep up the 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 second wave, and you know just now getting to cover it. And and I hope that uh, some of our viewers will comment on that. And perhaps the best answer to why toilet paper, what, why this commodity. In this day and age, in this society, is this the thing that people are panic buying? If you have a better answer to that than anything we've, we've mentioned so far, who knows? Maybe we'll give another membership away in the Producers Club. I just thought it was a funny juxtaposition that in Oregon, you can do any drugs you want and not get in trouble, but you can't pump your own guts. Yeah. Maybe those kind of go together.
1: It's similar to the it's similar to the meme that has been going around that says uh, so in Oregon now cocaine is legal but straws aren't that must be frustrating.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, we noticed that in, in California, it's like you can't do plastic straws anymore; it's all,
1: it's all paper straws. I, I mean, I don't
0: particularly care. Anyway, let's get yeah. through this foreign policy block well, before we Re- go to really Oregon, quick stuff, before you
1: get to the foreign policy. I just want to go on record as saying I did say in the beginning that this wasn't going away. They spent way too much money. Corporations like Taco Bell spent money on actual printed signs with COVID written all over them. I knew this wasn't going away. It's ramping up.
0: Well, did, did you say it was going to ramp up or just that it would have momentum? Because I was with you there. Like, I'm, I'm not, I don't think this has more momentum. I think with the vaccine coming, it actually has less. But I am shocked with the uptick. I hope it's oh shit, we better take advantage of this while we still can before the, that vaccine gets out. Because there's not, again, I don't think there's a singular you know, conspiracy that really gets to control everything that could sort of stop a vaccine from coming out if it was the natural product of our current pharmaceutical system. <laughs> natural. <Yeah.
1: laughs> we will see. Okay, let's do some news. Alright, oh, yeah, well, we got to finish our, our promos.
0: Don't forget, CigarFederation.com, promo code Adam10, A-D-A-M-10, all caps, gets you 10% off. Thank you for supporting the show that way. That way, and we're going to MakeThemDebate.com. We had a really fun first debate. Haven't had a second one yet. Are you going to be the one to make it happen? Might not be that hard. There's a really cool platform, and our debate manager Mercedes Amertowski can help you out with that. So please check out MakeThemDebate.com. Find my profile there. From popularmechanics.com, satellite images suggest North Korea is training kamikaze dolphins. Yeah, yeah. Mysterious floating events in North Korea resemble those used to house training dolphins. Many navies around the world train marine mammals for a variety of underwater tasks. If true, North Korea is probably training dolphins to sabotage U.S. and South Korean warships. Satellite images of a river, North Korea suggests. The Northeast Asian country is keeping a population of dolphins likely for military purposes. The pens appear similar to those used by countries to train marine mammals for military missions. North Korea's aggressive military posture suggests it's teaching dolphins to carry out attacks on enemy ships during wartime. And this actually is not at all that far-fetched, given, given what we know the United States government has done with this and what dolphins are capable of. But you can train dolphins, uh, at least hypothetically, to go and put uh, explosive charges on ships and come back and get a little treat. Uh, I should have covered this earlier in, in the uh, opening block, but I, have to, I still have to get to this. UNnews.org, news.un.org. No time for complacency as COVID-19 cases surge, WHO chief. Uh, despite encouraging news about COVID-19 vaccines and conscious optimism over potential new tools against the disease, this is not the time for complacency. that the World Health Organization warned on Monday during his latest press briefing yeah. in Geneva. And I, I look at some of these headlines of the fear-bonger and I'm like, Are you kidding me? Do you, you think I'm dumb? Do you? Are, I guess. I guess most people skimming the headlines are like you know, just, just barely, t- you know, thinking about these stories. They really are. They do fall for this, and it's kind of scary. Because, like we say, not the time for complacency. It's, you better do what I say or people are going to die. Things are going to get worse. It's like, well, we've been doing what you've said for the most part, and things got worse. Well, you didn't do it hard enough. If you do it harder, if you do what I say harder, if you lock down harder, then we'll be safe, maybe. Come back and ask me and we'll see. Really? Now, full fact is this how accurate are the new rapid lateral flow tests? And I just this is this is from a few days ago, it was November twelfth. We've been asked by readers about the accuracy of new COVID nineteen lateral flow tests being trialed in the UK to date. Tests determine whether someone currently has the virus which uh, causes COVID nineteen have been PCR. They work by adding a specific reagent to the sample, which identifies any genetic material of the virus that's present and replicates it to the point at which it can be detected in a lab. However, these tests take considerable time to perform. Not only that, but these are, are the you know the ones they stick with the swabs of your nose and you drive through, and then they take the sample and they have to do all the stuff to it, and it's prone to contamination and false positives and a lot of other problems with this reagent process. Whereas the uh, new diagnostic test, so the, the, the thing that's offensive about this, this is from my own experience is that the government is so says now the government is piloting a new diagnostic test called a lateral flow test for detecting the virus that causes COVID-19 uh SARS-CoV-2 these tests do not require lab processing and so can return result much quicker than a PCR test with a lateral flow test a liquid sample is placed on a small absorbent pad the liquid is drawn along the pad the capillary action in a similar way to how liquid wax is drawn up a candle wick at a point along the pad. There are strips coated with components which react with the material of interest. In the case of COVID 19 tests, t- samples are from the patient's throat and nose using a swab. The swab is added to a liquid, which is then applied at the end of the pad. Now, the thing about that in particular is that it's, it, it, it creates a lot of uh, other opportunities for something to go wrong. But the, the reason this is disturbing for me is that they're saying that this is a new kind of test. It's not. Sam, do you, you remember? Sam, do you, do you remember when we did the prick test for COVID on the bus? What? When was that? Was that March? It was March. It was like March or April. Yeah. Or if you go back on my Facebook, you can see the actual video of me taking this test live. And I mean, they said they wait 45 minutes to be safe, yeah. right? It was like an hour altogether. I mean, 15 minutes tops for the procedure because it was a finger prick. Right, it's a blood test. That's how they do pregnancy tests. The same thing. So the liquid goes across your urine to hormones as a germany woman is was pregnant. Well, in this case, you break your finger, you put a little bit of blood on a test sample and then put a saline solution, which pushes it by the capillary effect uh, across the test strip. And then you get a, a, a line. And this one was really cool. This one had one line for if you have the active virus and another didn't detect If you have the antibodies, but you know, gotten the virus and over, I was negative, negative. And they talk about this is that this is a lot more accurate in terms of uh, very few false positives, um, but that there are some significant high negatives. Like, yeah, it is possible to screw it up, but uh, it, much much less likely if you do the blood prick test, and it's not that much. I mean, I'm a, I'm a fan of what I got, what I experienced. Am I, am I biased? Yeah, but I, I like to think that it's partly rational to think well, they could mail these to anyone in the country, and you could have your own test result without having to tell anybody. I guess you know, we're looking to get tested now uh, before we go visit family for Thanksgiving, and we haven't figured it out yet. Or uh, we're going to hopefully we get that done in Seattle here in the next few days. But I'm I'm like I do I want to get a test on the record? Do I want to get a test that, that could be used against me later as an excuse for a forced vaccination or some kind of forced treatment? Or, or having that on the record in some way. Like, I don't mind doing it publicly. I don't, but, but when it's on a database that, that the, the, the government can get a hold of and use as an excuse for that, I'm, I'm definitely weary of that. Excuse be wary not weary. All right, let's, is our guest ready? Oh, wow, wow, we are, all right. We haven't made it through all the promos. It, it, we made it through all the promos now. All right, thank you, CJ. Um but yeah, look, okay. The Bullshitters Anonymous chat is going nuts. What, what is everybody talking about? Um, all right, I will get into it. Uh, Facebook Twitter CEO says to my Senate Judiciary Committee live. Yeah, so Mercedes wants wanted to share this. Facebook and Twitter CEO testify before Senate Judiciary Committee. Oh, this is in the Bullshitters chat. That's, see, I, I'm not going to watch that kind of stuff live. I'll, I'll take a slightly pre-digested version summary of it later. But, yes, after we talk to our guests, we are going to get into uh, Trump's considering options for et- attacking Iran. But for now, let's get Robert – is it Proxel up on stage here? Yeah. Is that last name? Proscal? Let's see you silent. Pruskal. Okay, excuse me. So Robert Prosal Jr. joins us this morning on Adam versus the Man. He was. uh, He's from San Diego. Originally moved to Texas, and has had some very interesting run-ins with the law. And one of the things that I'm I'm most excited to talk about is, aside from his legal strategies and current case, but how he got to this point where he had a uh, do not detain placed on you by the DEA. Can I get? How do I get one of those that covers all the other alphabet soup and and uh, law enforcement agencies. Can we just get like a do not, can I get a sign on my forehead that says do not detain, if only it were that simple. Robert, thanks for joining us. And, but Before we get into to any of these legal misadventures, what, what else do we know about your, your, uh, your, your personal background that like got you from uh, San Diego to, to Texas and to this point where you've been standing up to the law in all these uh, really creative ways?
2: Well, as you said, I was born in San Diego. I moved to the Dallas-Fort Worth area when I was less than a month or uh, less than a year old. So I've grown up in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. I've lived in Houston and Beaumont as well for several years. Um, I have had a few different run-ins with the law. Um, as early as 1999, um, <clears throat> me and a friend were driving home from a camping trip. And he, had, when we got pulled over, he advised the officer that we had been smoking and that I had passed him the joint. So, therefore, they decided to charge me with a delivery charge of less than a quarter of an ounce. Uh, that's the only misdemeanor delivery charge you can receive.
0: <laughs> uh, well, so your well, friend I, ratted you out at a, tra- at a traffic stop for no reason?
2: Yeah, he was on parole, so he didn't want to have to deal with his parole officer. I didn't find that out until we were getting stopped, that he wasn't even supposed to be out of the county. Um, And during that court case, when I was in court and presenting evidence, the judge Denied me of allowing me to present the Constitution. And when I referred to the Bill of Rights as part of my defense, he's told me I would be held in contempt of court if I continued. <clears throat> um, then my next run in with the law was in 2006 um, In 2000 or in 2005. I mean, I had had a conversation with the DEA on marijuana dot com. Where we discussed the constitutional legality of the uh, Controlled Substance Act, as well as the legality of the traffic laws, both of which are highly violations of are high violations of the Constitution if they're being enforced by the police. <clears throat> um, of course, as I discussed this with the DEA. Um, The result of this conversation was me going out and buying a Hayabusa, which at the time was the world's fastest production motorcycle, top speed of 238 miles an hour. Um, A couple of weeks later, I got pulled over by multiple police officers for supposedly racing and going over 185 miles an hour on the highway. They also pulled over a Mustang that was trying to keep up with us, and the result of that traffic stop was simply a request to please slow down. No tickets, no warnings, nothing else. And then I had had a couple other traffic stops.
0: um, All right, hold on before you jump jump ahead to this. I want—I really want to like zoom in on this part of the story here. That you were so you because you were talking with the DEA. Correct. They 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 put a do not detain order on you. Like how how is that connection made? Do we lose our guest? Oh,
2: sorry, I had a problem with the computer.
0: No worries. Yeah. So how how do they make that connection? Like, and, and what what exactly about your conversation triggered this? I mean, I, I find I find this like hard to believe. And it's a, it's a nice fantasy. Is it some yeah. like artificial thing? Is it is it replicable? Can can other people do this by by issuing the magic words that get the, the, the people who use the magic words as the excuse well, to back down it, in some way? It comes down
2: basically to the Fifth Amendment, and your, which is your right to liberty. The government doesn't want to see it as your right to liberty. They want to see it as the rights of the criminally accused.
0: Right, your right to remain silent.
2: Well, um, the... Um, the ability to not incriminate yourself or have those things used against you in a court of law. If there is no public danger and you are not a militant, then they do not have the right to use any evidence from you against you, like your name, the effects that you had on the vehicle. Um, they can't even question you, really, without there being public danger. And without a search warrant as well, right? Um, because the search warrant gives them the ability to gather information and use that against you, or in essence, seize that information from you. Without the search warrant, which very seldom happens with a traffic stop, they don't have the ability to actually stop you, and the Actual Dictionary of 1828 by Webster, the definition of false imprisonment is stopping someone from going place to place without a warrant. So by definition, they are falsely imprisoning you anytime they stop you without a warrant.
0: So sort of like by preemptively presenting this legal case, they knew that you were going to be more trouble than you were worth. Correct. But this only lasted about a year, and then you had another run-in.
2: Well, it was about 10 years later I had another run-in. Okay. Um, And this was in 2010. Uh, I had a Plano, Plano police officer stalking me as I was working, delivering pizzas for Domino's. And... The whole reason he pulled me over was because I worked for Domino's. And in this uh, town that he was coming from, he was a trainee, and the town he was coming from, the Domino's there was delivering meth with their pizza deliveries. And he thought <laughs> we were doing the same. So he ended up arresting me for about a gram and a half worth of flour just to make his point.
0: And this was your personal, like personal gram and half of flour on you, or you yeah? Okay, yeah. Like, oh, how are how are you able to talk about it at this point, or how, how do you want to <laughs> take responsibility for it? Okay, so then this is this is the the, the crux of this is that uh, you lost your the support of your attorney in this case. How did that happen?
2: Correct. Uh, When I originally hired the attorney, we had discussed presenting the Constitution and the Bill of Rights as part of the defense. However, once we went to court, when we were standing in the courtroom, the judge uh, looked at my attorney and said, I don't know if you remember me, but I actually hired you several years ago to represent me. Mm -hmm. And I appreciate what you did. Um, so my attorney then basically looks at me and says, well, I don't want to, uh, make myself look bad.
0: Well, who by... say, oh, just, just to go back to this, the, your attorney, the private attorney was defending the judge in a, in a criminal case.
2: Uh, I don't, uh, I was, uh, I believe it was a prior family matter. Um, I don't know exactly what the judge's prior case was that, Uh, He had my attorney for. They didn't go into depth of that. Hmm. He just mentioned that he had.
0: That that would be private in their case.
2: Yeah. He had just brought up the fact that he had used him as his attorney and that he had thought highly of him. Um, And then my.
0: Well, that would be. Wouldn't that be grounds for you to get a new attorney and and for the. for him to have to recuse himself instead of even seeing it through the way that he did in this case?
2: Correct. Unfortunately, we were already basically uh, there for the pre-trial, and that's when he looked at me and said, well, I no longer want to represent you, and if you want to move forward with your fight, you need to get someone else. So I went back a couple days later and talked to the judge again, and the judge basically said that i could go and hire another attorney but i didn't have any more money since i had just given all my money to this attorney um from there i did go ahead and accept the plea bargain just because i didn't know what the right direction was to go and if i continued to fight it i figured it would only go downhill so I completed the probation and paid the fines that I was required to to complete
0: that. And then you had another stop. So this is like all behind you. Your record is pretty uh, pretty tame at this point, right?
2: Yeah, two misdemeanor marijuana charges up until then, February 2nd of this year. Yeah. And then February 2nd of this. Breaking. What?
0: An interesting time for this.
2: Yes. And February 2nd of this year, um, on my way home, I got stopped by roughly eight Rockwall sheriffs for not using a turn signal. The dog was on scene before the other, the stopping officer even got out of the car. Yep. Um, the entire time he was talking to me, he was trying to drum up reasons of, as they call it, reasonable suspicion so that they could continue their search. Uh, making up things like, oh, I can see your heart racing. I can see that you're very uncomfortable. But if you watch the video, which I was told I was not allowed to have a copy of, as well as I was not allowed to have a copy of the police reports.
0: Well, you are recording for yourself at this point?
2: Um, well, I did try to pull my phone out and record, and they told me that uh, – I could not use my phone to record anything and I could not use it for any type of communications.
0: Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. I, I, I've, I've been there before. Uh, I actually fun little update on, on my case. I got an email this morning from my attorney in my illegal detention case in New Orleans for state trooper, uh who came after me and uh, arrested me for not presenting state identification while filming and just don't happen to be able to in the course of that take the camera out of my hand so I understand that if they if they say they don't want to be filmed and you're gonna get arrested otherwise it's, it's its rare that you can really get around that uh, yes yeah. but it, it, that must have been a pretty stressful traffic stop
2: um it was um however i Kind of had a sense that it's been coming for a while. Um, I've kind of actually had dreams about this since I was a child. Um, all the way back as young as I can remember, I've had dreams about things that happened throughout my life. This Uh, is
0: February. Hold on, this is February of this year. So, well, this is still pending legally, right?
2: Correct. We go to trial on December seventh in Rockwall County Court uh, 382 on the fourth floor in Rockwall, Texas, which is just east of Dallas.
0: So, with with how so you're this this case you're not at, at, at the same level you discuss, are you? Are are you playing the like owning this and and being able to just talk about it openly and saying no, we're we're really going or the the constitutional defense
2: on this one? Uh, We are taking the full constitutional defense on this. Um, I can discuss many things with you. Um, Some of the details I may not be at liberty to discuss, but I can talk to you about uh, things, (laughs) especially in general with the Constitution and the way that the law is actually written.
0: Okay, so you're... you're pretty happy with your attorney this time. Tell us about him and the, uh, the strategy that you've taken on.
2: Uh, my attorney is Hans Massar. Um, he is actually <clears throat> um, from um, overseas where everything is legal. So he does, he supports my cause. Uh, the conversations we have, he actually does research on and tries to obtain additional information instead of just, saying, oh, yeah, I think that's a good idea. He actually does research into it to pull up more information. Uh, One of the things in Texas that most people don't know about is in the Texas Constitution, Article 1, the Bill of Rights, Section 2, states, inherent political power and Republican form of government. All political power is inherent in the people, and all free governments are founded in their authority and instituted for their benefits. Uh, the faith of the people of Texas stand pledged to the preservation of a Republican form of government and subject to this limitation only. They have at all times the inherent, or in line of, at all times the inlineable right to alter, reform, or abolish their government in such manner as they may think expedient. What this means is that the government has no political power. They cannot bring charges against the people. This was never given to them. It is reserved for the people only. So Any case in which the state has brought charges against another person would be a direct violation of this right unless they are told to do so by a member of the people.
0: Well, Robert, I mean, you can say they don't have the authority to do it and they do it anyway and they they have the momentum of the Political weight behind them and the institutions of law enforcement—they're going to get away with it, as they have in all of these cases with you and with everybody else, as is the norm in the drug war. So when, when you're fighting it this way, it, it, it raises kind of a—you know—is an ought argument, right? Like, well, this is the way it ought to be, but this is the way it is. And I'm never—I man, when I go into these these offices and I, and I hear you know, you know, confronting bureaucrats, whether it's a uh, you know, a DA or a probation officer, and they go, "Well, that's the way it is. You know, it is what it is." I mean, it drives me nuts to say, "Well, that doesn't mean it has to always be that way." And your case is certainly showing that. But do you do you hope that there's some bigger lesson that your case is going to? Uh, I mean, if, if you're if you're able to win on the, on these grounds or win some kind of unique victory, that it would be uh, something others could replicate in legal strategy
2: yes it's very replicable um actually section 29 of the texas bill of rights uh states that anything or to guard against transgression of the high powers here and delegated we declare everything in the bill of rights is expected out of the general powers of the government and shall forever remain inviolate, and and all laws contrary thereto or to the following provisions shall be void. So what that means is any law that they present that is contrary or contradictive to the bill of rights is essentially void. So yes, it would be very replicable because it would go across not only state, but federal bill of rights. So everyone can claim these same uh, violations.
0: It would apply to a number of different issues as well. Correct. It Um, would can roll across
2: many, many issues. The biggest thing would be disbanding the martial law that we are currently under. The three requirements for martial law would be the government taking over the role of the people, which they do in the prosecution of the people. It's no longer for the people, by the people, and of the people. It's for the government, of the government, and by the government. The second part is the suspension of civil rights, which the right to search and seizure is the most commonly uh, removed from pretty much everyone that I talk to in many cases other than just drug cases. And then the third part is the enforcement by the militia. And if you look up the definition of of a militant, it is someone that carries rank and a weapon. And do the police carry rank and a weapon? Therefore, they fit the definition of a militant. So therefore, we have full-blown martial law. And in the state of Texas, all militants, um, let me pull this one up, uh, must follow the civil authority. So in other words, the people have the ability to tell them what to do. And they must follow that.
0: Well, Robert, before you go any further than that, I'm going to say something that you're not going to like to hear about your case. Okay. and, and I, hope, I hope it puts it in, in in a positive context, which is like explains why I do think this is a case that's worth covering and, and and that that supporting someone doing what you're doing is very important, even if it's not everything that we hope it could be. And I describe a lot of people who apply legal strategies like this as kind of technicalitarian. And that doesn't mean it's bad or it's good, but when you're saying, well, technically, look, there's gold fringe on the flag, and you spelled my name in all caps, and therefore you can't do this and you can't do this. And what it really comes down to in a lot of those cases is to make yourself more of a pain in the ass than you're worth so they leave you alone. And, and, and I don't say that, again, I don't say this in any kind of demeaning way because this is something that I've done myself, and I think it's an entirely legitimate legal strategy. But what, what I, I want to point out to my audience is that what Robert is exploring here is, is nothing particularly new, but in its current application and in, its, in, in the current circumstance we find ourselves in at the end of the beginning of the end of the war on drugs, Every avenue that we can use to push back like this can have a major impact. So, for example, in in my case in Texas, where I was facing four felonies and a misdemeanor for for drug issues, drug charges there, uh, I used the religious defense as as my primary approach to say that I'm a member of the Native American church. Or or I think the final uh, document, I, I also claimed being a Wiccan. Uh, because it's federally recognized in some other legal way, and uh, I certainly would enthusiastically self-identify uh, as that. But they uh, they, they end up offering instead of saying, "Oh, oh, you use the religious defense." Well, we're totally going to recognize that and respect it, and we're going to totally back off all our prosecutions. That all right? Well, we'll give you a plea deal you can't refuse. It's like, so it's way, way easier than going to court, way easier than the risk. We'll, we'll, we'll knock four felonies and a misdemeanor down to basically a $180 fine. How's that sound, Mr. Kokesh? And I said, hell yeah, I'll take that. You know, I'll get out of here and I'll do that. I'll do that. And I'll tell other people how I did this because the religious events really should apply to everything, too. And, 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 and I think you share the goal here, Robert, of, uh, you know, the, a world where no victim, no crime is relevant, right? And if you can maybe, that's
2: what the fifth amendment says without public danger knowing no evidence yes. can be used against you that you give yes.
0: up and even the fourth amendment the right to privacy of unreasonable search and seizure well if you're not affecting right. anybody else and you have a right to do whatever you want if you can keep it private then none of these laws apply and every way we can assert this is is, is a step towards freedom and putting people in their place or criminals who, who operate under color of law as government and so Robert, with, with, with what you're pushing here as a as a constitutional defense against drug charges, I, I think we are at the point historically where you could win a major victory like this and, and really help accelerate the uh, the end of the drug war. Do you see uh, your work in this as, as having a bigger activism impact like that?
2: Definitely. That's been my goal. Um since about 1999, was um, to become an activist and to change the laws for the better. Um, I've had conversations with Normal. Unfortunately, Normal only wants to change the laws. They do not want to abolish Fight the laws because yes, they then they would have to find something else to lobby against.
0: <laughs> I, don't know, I wouldn't go that far with Normal, but they are certainly limited in their strategic options when they see it as a matter of, Reforming policy rather than reforming reality, and that's again a very important part of I think what what Robert is doing and, and so many other civil disobedience activists. That some of these bigger I got, I don't want to pass judgment on normal. I don't have any other reason to say anything you know negative about them uh, or that they're they're actually playing that rent-seeking game of keeping the problem going so they have something to fight. But that there is a a, a limitation when people don't see this that. Uh, and and, and one of the, this is one of the best things about libert- being, being a libertarian. And Robert, if you appreciate this, you know, l- l- let me know here that it, when you give no special moral credence to authority, you, you can negotiate reality better and live more free as a result. And without you, without asking you to say anything about this particular $40,000 worth of uh, extracts and everything else that was uh, allegedly in your vehicle, uh, do, do you feel it? Do you think that people, that, that that has allowed you to live differently, like having this understanding your whole life? Uh, well, I've,
2: it definitely has allowed me to live a freer life than most people. Um, I actually didn't have this understanding until <clears throat> late in 1999 when I was doing research, and I was actually struck by lightning. After I was struck by lightning, things
0: magically literally split. Struck by lightning. Yes. What was that like? You can't, you can't just like casually pass that off. Oh yeah, <laughs> I was struck by. Yeah, oh, yeah, then, then I was struck by lightning. You know, then I went off my day like you nothing know, happened. Well, it
2: was it was, it was a day that was raining pretty heavily, and I'd gone over to my buddy's house, and I was soaking wet. As I walked in to his room, I was standing in front of his window. I dropped my keys and my phone on his bed, and then a bolt of lightning jumped essentially through the window, through the bar on the window, and then to my head, which I was only about a foot away from. Everything in my body tightened up. Everything had like a bluish-white glow to it. Um, I couldn't move probably for a good 20 to 30 seconds. I just everything in my body locked up. And then I sat down probably for about 30, 30, 45 minutes to just kind of regain myself. And then after that, things just started clicking like they never had before.
0: No other effects, no burns, no no shocks, no aftershocks, no nerve damage, nothing?
2: Um, well, I've had a little bit of nerve damage. Um, I had a burn mark on the back of my neck for about a year or two that's gone away. It was a, just like a little white scar. It was a couple of inches long. Um Ugh. I assumed because I was on the second story and not grounded that it didn't go straight through me and then into the ground and burn my shoes like a lot of other people have had. But it was, it was a very interesting feeling, something I'd never, I'll never forget.
0: And so what did that do for you?
2: Uh, Well, actually when, after that, I started doing a little bit more research and all of a sudden things started, all the missing pieces started falling in
0: place. Um, well, we have we have a comment here. You, you don't still have any of the, you, you said you had a white streak of a mark on the back of your neck? Yeah, well,
2: it was like a little white scar, uh, but it it's gone now. <clears throat> it was there for about a year or two.
0: Yeah, uh, someone in our chat said they, they want you to show us what it looks like, the lightning tattoo. Well, it's,
2: it's not it was right here at the bottom of my hair. Okay. But it's it's not there anymore. That was like I said, uh twenty-one years ago.
0: All right. So Robert, if you could kind of sum it up for us then, like what, what, what is the most important takeaway uh from that clarity from that personal event, from being struck by lightning? And then, from your legal case, you know, what do you hope to accomplish in something that's that's replicable that uh, that that helps other people live more free? Well,
2: the biggest thing is showing how the laws are unconstitutional and how they violate it. Um, and then essentially, as the state tries to submit information that is in violations of the Constitution, that in essence is them trying to overthrow the government as it is written within the constitution. So that in itself can be considered treason. And therefore the police that are, or the people using the information trying to overthrow the government can then be prosecuted and <clears throat> for their treasonous acts as well. Um, it can be very replicated because I will be using Uh, the Federal Bill of Rights, as well as the state. So it can carry over to every person that is under the United States Constitution.
0: Well, Robert, when you get through with this, where are you going to be posting updates? How can people find out more and and, and examine, uh, you know, maybe how this might apply to a legal situation they find themselves in?
2: Uh, Well, right now I'm mainly using Facebook. Um I also have a petition online that I can send you the link to uh, where people can go and sign the petition and read it. Um, I'm also trying to gain some financial support so that I can pay my attorney some more. <clears throat> and then I need people to come and sit in the courtroom and watch the state admit to violating the Constitution to essentially put pressure on them to do the
0: right thing. And this is one of those cases where having that extra public scrutiny certainly adds weight to the make yourself more of a pain in the ass than you're worth defense because oftentimes that critical part of making yourself a pain in the ass is potentially exposing the criminality of their system. Robert, All right. thanks for joining us this morning. Uh, you're welcome, Adam. All right, brother. Keep up the good work. Yeah, thanks All for having right. me on so we had a couple headlines that came to us in the chat during uh, the show today uh, America's last line of defense.com satire for your confirmation bias three states full CNN's broadcasting license they failed to be truthful yeah satire for your confirmation bias uh, but I wanted there, there was another thing I was looking at because it came up earlier is like why the toilet paper shortages and why the rush on that that item in particular. And no one really has a good explanation. So maybe we'll get one in the comments today. Maybe you can win membership in the Producers Club. But I did find this, and this was from from a week ago. And, and I, I feel you know kind of bad that we've been letting this go, but watching this before we go, oh, yeah, it's time to really take on this second wave bullshit head on. Uh, but this was from a week ago from NBC LA. as photos of empty shelves pop up on social media stores and toilet paper suppliers say, Chill out. Suppliers and stores are asking everyone to buy only what they need and think of their neighbors to make sure there's enough toilet paper to go around. Um, yeah, I suppose it's funny at a time like this that this, when when you're more tempted than normal to stock up on toilet paper, that you should kind of uh, back off just in case you're, you're you're not taking more than you need and disadvantaging someone else as a result. But you should have been stocking up a long time ago. So we'll come back to this uh let, let, let's check in with Jim right now. Before we do our last uh, skim through the news, we do have a big foreign policy block we're going to get to in, in just a minute. But, Jim, uh, any, any more comments on these bigger picture issues or anything else? Uh,
1: well, I, nothing yet as for the bigger picture issues we just started talking about. I was disappointed that he didn't get superpowers when he got struck by lightning. <clears throat> <laughs> I always wanted to know somebody that survived that and gained some kind of ability, but I suppose you could argue that his enlightenment to the uh, to the deviousness of the state is a is a benefit.
0: Yeah, I I, I mean I, you don't hear like a lot of stories about people getting struck by lightning, not, you know, because it's not just because it's rare, but because it's kind of it, it's it seems like it's usually disappointing. Or it just sucks, right? Like, oh yeah, well they got struck by lightning like, and they died, <laughs> you know, like they got burned, and like, oh shit, they just got fucked up really bad, like you got nerve damage or burns or, or something else. Um, but I, I understand that like just the shock of an experience like that it can kind of force uh, a reexamination of what's important, right? Can force an understanding or, or perhaps focus your mind to, to figure something out, even. In that 30 to 45 minutes, he said he was recovering after being struck by lightning. I imagine his brain going like, okay, new reality, new reality, new reality. Shit starts cranking out. Like, even without without it being a product of the lightning itself, like the lightning hit his brain and caused it to rearrange, which is by giving him that intense sort of near-death experience, yeah. it yeah. triggers a different frame of mind that, that, that it would cause something unique. And in his case, I guess, beautiful.
1: Absolutely. Uh, don't be a statist is saying bogging down the court system is a legitimate course of action that everyone should use. Do you think that's effective if everyone is yeah. in the arguments he was saying? Would that be effective in shutting it down? Or
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and thank you, uh, Mr. Status for pointing the, the weakness in the status system out to everybody here. There have been a number of efforts uh, like this, and, and one of the things that we used to push pretty heavy, in the uh, sort of post-Ron Paul days, uh, when, when a lot of us, as, as Ron Paul activists, were still working together, was never take a plea. And I think I don't know. I kind of want to check out to see if that website is still up. Um, it was never nevertakeaplea.com or .org. No,
1: having we just look up. Well, Why you, while you look that up? I'll say Philip Anderson says that is my advice. Oh, that was the wrong <laughs> comment. <laughs> Oh, uh, that was out of context and made no sense where did his every time somebody comments it moves my thing there where
0: are you yeah so it looks like it's not active but it, it was never take a i thought yeah their their website's down this is you know this is, i don't know if this is sad or not but this is uh something that we used to be a, a pretty significant cause within the libertarian community in pushing judicial reform uh, to say never take a plea and there are a lot of reasons for this, uh, and one is the the, the bigger implication, and, and we've seen different efforts to do this on kind of, kind of wide scale, none that have really gotten traction. Surprise, surprise. There's a lot. there are a lot of reasons the state has to defend this system. Uh, but that, like, if, if everybody who was facing uh, a, even you know a misdemeanor or felony charge today said, "I'm not going to take a plea. I'm going to go to trial," the system would collapse. Like they would, they would, they would literally, like. There, there, there's a finite number of resources or amount of resources available in terms of like manpower, woman power, hours, energy, time, organizational capacity, you know, days on the calendar to be able to process people through the current court system. And they've, when when people started falling for the, you know, being bullied into plea deals racket, it meant that they could process a lot more which meant that they could arrest a lot more and sentence a lot more and rip people off a lot more. And if if you let them plea you out or if you plea out, the amount of resources that they spend on dealing with your case is is what, like a 20th or a 30th? Jim obviously is a very subjective guess. But um, in terms of like the, the judge and, and lawyer and administrator hours that go into a plea deal versus a trial? That's that about right? About a 20th, maybe?
1: Yeah, yeah. That makes sense, I guess, but I just feel like, that, like you said, they have so much invested in keeping it the way it's going. If their system got bogged down, they would just write down on a new piece of paper, okay, now 70% of our caseload is an automatic you know, plea bargain. You no longer have a choice about it.
0: Yeah, and so those are the kind of scary possibilities that you face that you can't avoid on the individual basis. Right,
1: Um, But you can't uh, do nothing because of that possibility.
0: Right, well, no, but see, Jim, it's better for the individual, too. It's not just this, like, and and part of it for for me has been, like, as as a privileged white dude to be like, yeah, I'll get in trouble, and I'll go to jail, and I know that I'm not going to get... You know, I'm not going to get raped or beat up because I'm a former Marine and I got a spotlight on me and I can handle myself. And, you know, I can have fun with all of that. And if they're fucking with me, then they're not fucking with some poor black dude who can't fight back because they don't have the spotlight or the or the resources or the advantages or the privilege that I do. You know, and, and, and if you get if, – if I go and I make a stink and I do it deliberately and carefully and I, and I bog them down and I absorb a lot of their time and energy and the resources, then it's less that they get to use to hurt people. Who, who might not be able to take it as well, and there's a certain, you know, uh, noble sacrifice in that. And it's not just a sacrifice, but like, hey, there's this threat coming, and it's gonna hurt me less than it's gonna hurt you. So let me stand in front of you and be the one to take it, right? It's kind of a, a rational way of going about it. But even for you as an individual, like they know this, and they will, they will, and and I from all of my experience, like, and even in Texas, like, I gotta say, in Texas it came down to me taking a plea. But only because it got really, really good. You know, like, it came down to oh, four felonies and a misdemeanor for a $180 fund. I was like, I spent more than $180 on gas to get here. You know, coming from Arizona to Texas. Like, yeah, okay, you want to, I'll, I'll call that a victory. You know, if, if you, you went from you know, threatening me with a plea that included jail time to a plea that's basically a hundred eighty dollar fine. I'll take
1: that. And, I and have so, payments. <laughs> 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 I would well, have said, okay, I'll give you five bucks a year. How's that sound?
0: Well, it, it's a little more complicated than that. If people want to get the whole story, you look up uh, my, my speech at the Church of Cannabis with Bill Avin, uh in Indiana uh, from uh, uh, was it last year? On the tour, uh, with the cam- on the campaign trail, was a lot of fun, and uh, it was my first time really telling the whole story after that case had been resolved. But even uh, th- th- this idea of never take a plea, uh, you know, we were really pushing like the bigger political moral implications. You know, if they spend 20 times more effort on you by you going to trial, then if you, if you take a plea, well, if nobody takes a plea, then they can only fuck with one twentieth as many people. Right, like that's yeah. that's the implication, and that they, they would have to they they would either have to start offering everybody bigger pleas or uh, stop prosecuting petty crimes or, or victimless crimes, and and maybe to say that if, if everybody did it, it would it would all change. Maybe that's too much of a presumption because the system's going to adapt, as you point out. That they'll figure out a way to just accelerate trials, or deny your right to trial entirely, or, or I mean, this, this whole thing, I get, like Robert points out so well with this case, is this, uh, this whole thing is premised on violating pretty well established, you know, basic constitutional rights that the government doesn't care about in the first place. So,
1: um, any other comments before we get to our last?
0: Through the you know, headlines it seems like
1: everybody's pretty much in agreement. Never accepted a plea, says George Billbrook, Did two years because of it. Shit happens, but stand for a bigger cause. That's well, that's, yeah.
0: Well, that's pretty noble when you know you're not going to win.
1: Right. Well, that's, but you uh, might have uh, won, say, too. That's the scary part about not taking the plea. They really are very, very, very good at all the processes and mm-hmm. all the months leading up to your actual decision to what you plea they are so masterful at scaring the crap out of you to sign that plea. They'll knock yeah. it down, they'll negotiate a little bit, make you feel like you got some kind of little bit of power, but at the end of the day, they remind you a bunch of times that, well, if we don't find common ground on this plea bargain, you're probably going to be facing 10 years and up to, they'll say up to, but, you know, up to 10 years in prison, up to $250,000 in fines. Like, th- those are yeah. the maximum possibles that they always yep. scare people with, and that's why I in the world we're in because it's too scared to do those. Oh, ten 10 years, I could do two? They don't want to do two. Nobody wants to do two years in a cage, you know.
0: Well, and it's, oh, man, I, that you have lost so much faith in the legal system that you see it as a negotiation at this point like this. It's really fucked up. It's not like, well, I'm guilty or I'm innocent or I'm taking responsibility right. for what I did and I'm making amends for it and making my victims whole. No, well, there's no victim, there's no crime. I'm just negotiating with a bully essentially, and it's not just an illusion. A lot of it is a lot of it is illusion. Um, well, any anyway, man, if you take a plea, it's going to be easy. Like, yeah, there's a manipulation. Obviously, they're trying to sell you some shit, but. They actually have the system set up that way that if you do go to trial, there's a risk of doing serious time, and take a plea, and you know for sure, like they've engineered it this way. So anyway, let's get to some more headlines. We're going to come back, and if someone has a better comment on the second wave of toilet paper shortages or anything else, we definitely want to be looking for comments like that from, let's see, where is this from? From the New York Times. Eric Schmidt, Maggie Haberman, David E. Sanger, Helen Cooper, and Laura Jake's Trump sought options for attacking Iran to stop its growing nuclear program. Now, while this article is obviously intended to be critical and hopefully put a check, like they're going, hey, let's uh, l- 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 let's just put a check on the president. Maybe we can do some good in preventing uh, an unnecessary military escalation. Remember, this is after Trump is already. Uh, essentially assassinated an Iranian general in Iraq. Uh, But this headline, to stop its growing nuclear program, you're really going to give Trump the benefit of the doubt on that? That's why he's doing this? Not for his ego, not for his legacy. President Trump asked senior advisors in an Oval Office meeting on Thursday whether he had options to take action against Iran's main nuclear site in the coming weeks. The meeting occurred a day after international inspectors report a significant increase in the country's stockpile of nuclear material for current and former U.S. officials said on Monday. So Trump was exploring this, got talked out of it, but is still open to it. And this is kind of one of the scary things we have to look forward to about this Trump lame duck duck session when he gets past uh, arguing over the outcome of the election and actually seeing what uh, what he wants to do with his last couple months in office here. And this is not uh, – there is one little sort of buried headline in here. Uh, that, uh, you know, Donald Trump was right. And, and I, I got to hand it to him. You know, I got to hand it to him. There's, there's, uh, he's, he's very good at being right about things that everybody else is wrong about. And in this case, it was, oh, well, uh, the, I, I, the, the Iranians have gotten more nukes, more nuclear materials, and now there actually is a problem with this. Although it's become such a political football back and forth, I, I I don't think that there's a uh, you know a bigger threat of an actual escalation so much as governments as is typically the case using tensions like this to feed their own agendas and one of the other headlines we saw in relationship to this today was that Iran vows swift response to destroy America should Iran's sovereignty be violated and so they get remember we covered this in China, talking about China yesterday about why they're doing what they're doing with Hong you think about all the things that the American government does abroad as well, and 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 the, and the rest of the people of the world go, well, it's not the American people. We're not so naive as to hate Americans when we know it's the American government that is the cause of our pain and suffering. funny how they figure that out when most Americans don't, because we don't hear the or they don't hear the propaganda uh, that we get constantly of America did this, America did that. When they are talking about the things the federal government did, and that is conflated in our minds, and so we get the Stockholm syndrome effect. Of identifying, not just loving and sympathizing, but identifying. Oh, we're America. We are America. America did this with our captors, who are and, and our, our victimizers in the federal government, who use all of these foreign policy rackets to uh, enrich their their own power and, of course, that of the military-industrial complex. Now, one of the things that they can do that so dangerously manipulates our perspective on this. Is by changing the debate. We talk about like pushing the Overton window or broadening the Overton window by talking about different things. But it, it, that's not that's not what I'm talking about here. Because informed policy, the, the manipulation of the conversation isn't what can be talked about, but what is the center of the debate. And if a mugger comes up to you and says, "Give me your wallet." And then I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna rape your wife and I'm gonna murder her in front of you and then you go oh no and you're freaking out and he goes okay fine you look like a nice guy just give me your wallet and you go okay here's your wallet or here's here's my wallet and you you think that, like oh he's giving you a good deal now because he's not doing all these other horrific things well that's how they've gotten foreign policy manipulated in the United States conversation and here's how they do it mediaite.com has this headline McConnell as in Senator U.S. Senator Republican Mitch McConnell excoriates Trump's reported troop drawdown in scathing Senate floor remarks would delight the people who wish us harm. Oh, Mitch, 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 we remember, we remember this. <clears throat> you can't broadcast your plans to the enemies. They would love it. <clears throat> Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell has rarely broken publicly with President Trump with the reports of a planned troop drawdowns from Afghanistan and Iraq were enough to lead the Kentucky Republican to speak on the Senate floor, lambasting the idea. Of course, all wars must end. The question is now how they end and whether the terms on which they end are favorable or unfavorable to the security and interests of the United States. All right. I, I, before I finish the quote, even just baked in this. The security and interests of the United States, not the government, not the sponsors. Not the super rich or the war profiteers or the bankers. And nothing about the circumstances we face today suggests that if we lose or the terrorists will simply leave us alone. A lot of terms being conflated here, but what is he talking about? And, and, and again, like you would say, well, hypothetically, out of this makes sense in the bigger framing of the war in Iraq and Afghanistan. It doesn't, it's all bullshit. The premises are all wrong, the framing is false. But what are we even talking about within that framing? Next headline NPR.org. White House orders thousands of troops withdrawn from Afghanistan and Iraq. Now, I'm, I'm actually kind of surprised from this liberal line of media outlet, NPR, that they would put out a headline that seems to favor Trump, at least from an anti-war perspective, which is the dominant one in the, in the, in the world right now. People realize yeah, war is a racket. The White House will bring home 2,500 troops from Afghanistan and Iraq by the end of the year against the guidance of top military officials, a drawdown order that reduces the American presence by about a third. <laughs> third. From 4,500 to 2,500 in Afghanistan and 3,000 to 2,500 in Iraq, according to a U.S. official. <clears throat> so McConnell is trying to say that our strategy is dependent on the terrorists not knowing when we might downscale our troop numbers by a third. This is, this is the critical strategic turning point. And, and it's reduced in the bigger conversation more troops or less troops in one way or another. And this is one of the most dangerous things about Trump's presidency. Just as Republicans are, are fake small government, Donald Trump is fake anti-war. And you look at uh, five of his eight vetoes as president. They have all been about maintaining the spending of the military industrial complex. Uh, you, you look at the rest of his policies and you, this you is not someone who wants to challenge militarism or military spending at all. But he can... You can have a drawdown of troops by one-third. And, and you know, we talk about all the contractors and, and State Department and, and who knows how other many uh, people there are. I mean, they when they say troops, what they're talking about here is uh, uniformed official members of a particular branch of the United States military. What well, we should be counting when we talk about troops in Iraq and Afghanistan is American carrying guns paid for by government. And it's a lot more than any of these numbers are uh, suggesting here, which also fluctuate a lot. So is there some general posturing uh, by Trump? I think that's it. But even with that, McConnell has to come back and say, well, your posture is wrong, your message is wrong, you need to be more uh, pro-buildup of troops. And this is what gets us into trouble with these things in the first place. Finally, uh, in in more, if you weren't confused enough about American foreign policy, New York Post has this headline: "Retiring diplomat says defense officials misled Trump on troop counts in Syria." And, and this plays to the the theory that uh, the president is uh, is largely a pawn. And I, I don't want to say that there. I, I, I don't so much buy this, uh, you know, complete puppet. Uh, pawn model of the presidency. I think the presidency is more of a power broker. That uh, if, if they're a puppet, they can decide what strings to attach to pull them up to the top. And you can't make it to the top these days without support of the military industrial complex, which is one of the reasons as libertarians we have such a hard time because this is one of the things we are fundamentally challenging politically and, and why we, well, libertarians can't stop talking about war even as we see it de escalating because. It represents the health of the state, one of the greatest ripoffs and one of the greatest challenges as as a political party is that the old parties are, are entrenched by this. Anyway, to this story, U.S. defense officials routinely misled President Trump into believing the American troop count in Syria was a lot lower than it actually is, a retired U.S. diplomat said in a bombshell interview this week. Now, this speaks to the power of the swamp and the bureaucracy. Is that even a president, even with, with my model of them as a the power broker, can be manipulated by bureaucrats who are in gosh knows whose pockets? As James Jeffrey, a special U.S. special representative for Syria engagement, quote, and said in an interview with Defense One, "We were always playing the shell games to not make clear to our leadership how many troops we had there." Really. In October 2019, Trump ordered the withdrawal of U.S. troops from northern Syria, a decision controversial among lawmakers, defense officials, and diplomats. Pentagon officials convinced the president to leave approximately 200 troops behind to protect oil fields in the country's east that were at risk of falling under ISIS control. However, the real number of troops in northern Syria is a lot more than the 200 Trump agreed to leave behind, Jeffrey said, with some officials putting the number as high as 900. As he told the public, about what Syria withdrawal. There was never a serial withdrawal. And the situation in northeast Syria had been fairly stable after we defeated ISIS. Trump was inclined to pull out. In each case, we then decided to come up with five better arguments for why we needed to, succ- to stay. And we succeeded both times. That's the story. So you think these people who are able to manipulate a president aren't able to manipulate you or public opinion? Yeah. That's why bullshit like we get from McConnell has weight. That's why when we see you know, Trump weighing uh, a strike in Iran, while the headline right now is, well, Trump was exploring the option, but you know the wise and uh, the, the wise old swamp monsters convinced him not to. Oh, but that means next week if he does it again, we could convince him that well, we can do this. It's a good idea. Why not? And, and they are playing a long game. They are taking advantage of the short-term memories of the American people when we, we think about issues like this. And so I am, I am, uh, I am not encouraged by the specter being raised of, of another attack in Iran. They have been trying to do this for months. Um, so as, as CJ says, Trump was inclined to pull out. Yeah, I, I, at some point, I, I don't even want to spend that time in these propaganda stories. And I don't know if you noticed, but uh, even from my background in, in activism as a, as a, you know, anti-war activist, first and foremost, I'll, I have to, you know, in, in covering the headlines, look at most of the headlines like this and be like, mm, no, this is, this is more bullshit manipulation to get you to go along with the continued existence of the military industrial complex, taking 50% of the federal budget. And, you know, that comes from you. That kind of, why can't you have nice things? that's what breaks my heart is to see that the American people are getting ripped off. The quality of life has been reduced. I mean, I shouldn't say that's the thing that breaks my heart because it's really the victims of American foreign policy, uh, children born with birth defects in Fallujah, uh, all of the people who have died, uh, to line the pockets of, uh, American politicians and military industrial complex, corporate ownership clubs. Yeah. that. It, uh, And right now, I am just, yeah, I have to see this clearly for what it is. And uh, we we will be watching and and praying that the lame duck Trump presidency doesn't result in some horrific escalation in the Middle East. From Prawn.com, New York police found hundreds packed into a club. It was an illegal fight club, they said, when deputies from New York City sheriff's office broke into a Bronx warehouse late on Saturday. They said they found more than 200 people packed inside many without masks, purple and red neon lights bathed empty plastic cups and food containers on the floor. And in the center of the room behind metal barriers, men in boxing gloves threw jabs at each other. A video posted to social media shows the mostly unmasked crowd cheering as two fighters chase each other in the ring. Uh, The gathering, which police had exceeded the limit of non-essential social gatherings, limited to 10 people, also violated unrelated coronavirus regulations, was an underground fight club called Rumble in the Bronx. Uh th- we we covered some of the stories about how youth have been by the, youth have been affected by this. Skipping ahead to CBS News, this headline is really disturbing. Kids have regressed due to COVID-19 restrictions, restrictions with some potty trained kids going back to diapers, experts say. Yeah. Yeah, we talked about you know how how lockdown might be affecting your memory, how it's affecting adults and their emotional state. But with children, we see something a little more stark that should, at least for us adults, get our attention if in policy, of not in paying attention to the effects on ourselves. Uh, an educational watchdog in the UK found that some children have regressed due to COVID-19 related school closures and restrictions. If we see this so clearly in children, and like this is this is this is seriously disturbing. Basic skills. Forgotten how to use a fork and a knife. Prior potty trained, now wearing diapers. you got to ask the adults, are you acting a little more childish recently? Has this affected you in the same way, the lockdowns, the shutdowns? Even if you feel like you're not affected, you know that you're limited in some way because of this. Ofsted made visits to 900 schools and early child care providers in September, October, according to a press release from the U.K. government. It found there are three broad groups of children. It found one is the hardest hit group, suffered from time out of school, gone backwards on words and numbers, reverted to diapers after being potty trained, or lost basic skills such as using a fork or an eye. Have you lost any basic skills as a human being, as an adult, communicating? Have you, have you forgotten how to talk to people as, as a mature, a, a respectful adult? That might be the case. This might explain what we're seeing. A lot of, a lot of people decry this year, and I was, I was with them going, look at, look at the fights, look at the political street fights. How silly is this? How chi- Oh, it's child. Oh, people are acting like children because all of the circumstances we find ourselves in are conditioning us to behave more like children. Now, we have a counterpoint here, as I would not share a story like that without a positive counterpoint. From news.trust.org, thompson Reuters Foundation, unfair surveillance, online exam software sparks global student revolt. The pandemic ushered in the golden age of remote test proctoring, but students say this technology can be invasive and biased. We are seeing cracks in the system. Uh, we are seeing uh, a certain awareness coming that wouldn't have happened otherwise. Uh, we got a lot of fun stories. We we're about at time today. Uh, th- this is a re- another really disturbing foreign policy one I, I feel like we have to cover. China used secret microwave pulse weapon to cook Indian soldiers alive, is telling from the Daily Mail, and forced them into retreat in Himalayan border battle. Electromagnetic weapons were allegedly used on disputed Himalayan border. They cleared out Indian troops without violating ban on gunfire, a professor said it came weeks after soldiers fought with rocks and clubs in a deadly brawl. We brought you that story. It looks like there's a little bit more of an escalation now, although i, I got to say I'm, I'm uh, sort of happy to see, uh, you know, n- well, non-lethal weapons, but we're talking about cooking Indian soldiers, alive, not just uh, making them uncomfortable. It forced them into retreat as opposed to uh, just, traditional blow each other up uh, maybe this is the future of warfare um, I, I hope that the future makes this uh, irrelevant but the u.s equivalent they have a picture here siege if you want to get that on screen the active denial system was once deployed to afghanistan but it was withdrawn apparently without ever being used against human targets because there's a liability but then you put some chinese general in the position of well you're not allowed to use bullets what else do we have all right well we'll that people Another story about Elon Musk. Yeah, it's been an eventful few days for Elon Musk. Elon Musk will source $12 billion on Tesla Index Edition. This is from MS, oh, excuse me, MSN.com. MSN Money, the billionaire, tested positive for COVID-19. His rocket company launched four astronauts into space. And on Monday, his electric car maker, Tesla Incorporated, was named for inclusion in the S&P that's a Standard & four 500 Index. The last bit of news added the equivalent of rocket fuel to his fortune. Musk, 49, is poised to become the world's third richest person leapfrogging Mark Zuckerberg after his net worth soared in extended trading. Yeah, we're going to keep covering this. Funny how Musk, as, as someone who is actually changing these technologically, seems to be the single biggest profiteer of the coronaphobia crisis, and, uh, and as opposed to, say, you know legacy industries like you know pharmaceuticals or or oil and gas uh but certainly bezos uh, making m- billions as well during this time with amazon as people turn uh much much uh, turn away from in person retail towards uh, delivery from online shopping uh, it, it seems like that's almost more of a legacy business so teasing this out we're gonna keep covering this and uh one more political story that again it's just like uh Yeah, yeah. Maybe I get to end today's news block with a big I told you so. How about that, CJ? CJ likes it when I say I told you so. NBCnews.com. Biden hopes to avoid divisive Trump investigations preferring unity. Biden has told aides that he's concerned that investigations would divide the country but that he would leave decisions up to an independent Justice Department. Now, Biden is kind of holding things out here, saying, well, Independent Justice Department, state prosecutors can still go after Trump. But as president, this is my general attitude. And this is something I told you. This is the tradition. Remember Obama saying about President Trump, W, well, we're, we're, we're going we're to address these war crimes. And we're going to make sure that people are held accountable. That's the campaign promise. Then he gets elected. Well, we're, we're going to be looking forward rather than looking backwards. And then, you know, Donald Trump, we're going to to lock her up. Well, maybe not. We're going to drain the swamp. Well, maybe not. So President-elect Joe Biden has privately told advisors he doesn't want his presidency to be consumed by investigations of his predecessor, according to five people familiar with the discussions, despite pressure from some Democrats who want to include Donald Trump's policies and members of his administration. Biden has raised concerns that investigations would further divide a country who's trying to unite and making every day of his presidency about Trump, said the sources who spoke on background to offer details of private conversations. This doesn't happen by accident. I think this is a very deliberate link. And now, what's the purpose of this? There's There, there are a couple things. One, there's a general inclination of the people at the top of the, the power food chain in the United States to uh, maintain as much buy-in from the American people as possible. We want unity, right? And that's a nice surface explanation. And I, I don't think it's disingenuous. I don't think it's a smokescreen, uh, but it is being blown up as the singular reason when there are a couple of other reasons that are, are really important to point out. And one is that this maintains the general tradition of government officials at the highest level protecting each other especially when it comes to outgoing presidents' pardons. I mean, you go back to Nixon, right, pardoned by Ford. Hey, no, we're not, we're not looking backwards. We're looking forwards. And with this case, uh, with, with Trump and Biden, I've said for, for quite a while that Trump's maneuvering and fostering is really good for leverage to make sure that Biden maintains this tradition. And if, uh, if maybe, maybe there's some public dance here. Maybe Biden really wants to put this out here. But he's doing it in a, 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 a delicate way because Biden has to walk this line where he wants Trump to think, hey, please give us a smooth transition of power and we won't bother you. We'll let you have your retirement. You can, you can have a TV show on Newsmax or your own network or do your, do your own thing. And, and we're not going uh, we're, we're to go after you too harshly. But at the same time, Biden has to do this in a way that doesn't compromise his base. And so what he's saying is that, you know, he would be focused on being forward-looking and not uh, focusing on Trump. And so to the people who hate Trump, hey, we're not going to talk about Trump anymore. You're welcome. That, that can be either a nice thing, but then to the people who really want vindic- uh, in kind of vindictive action taken against Trump for everything he's done to America and the dialogue, then we're going to, uh, Biden can kind of pander to them as well here saying, well, you know, we're there's a chance if you want to talk about it, we're going to leave it up to the Justice Department and state prosecutors, and then we're going to see what happens. So, again, sorry we're going to follow closely, but nice to end with what I told you so, that it seems the general tradition of not locking her up is, is going to continue. All right, let's check back in with comment Jim Freedom before we wrap things up for the day and get to our good news in history. We actually do have some good news today. Jim, any other comments worth sharing?
1: That's good to know that we have some good news. Uh we don't have too many uh comments, but Craig Darty has a question and as I read it, it just made me feel like this is kind of a, a really big question that we should get deeper on. Uh what are we doing to the younger generation with this COVID BS?
0: Yeah, I was really shocked by that particular CBS story about regression. I mean, we could have done a whole episode on that or checked in, and, and maybe we should. You know, maybe maybe this will be our next panel for uh, the week we come back for Thanksgiving, is to have a panel of, of experts talking about the effects that COVID and lockdowns and shutdowns have had on, on America's children. And the like, you go back to wearing diapers. I mean, it just goes to show people, uh, and and I hope there's a more positive understanding that comes out of this of the value of of travel and and social interaction and and having that freedom of association. It's not something that we do just out of instinct for no good reason. It's something that we do because it is essential to our health. It is essential to raising well-adjusted children. It is essential to Raising children who know how to take a shit in a toilet instead of a diaper, for fuck's sake! Like, yeah, that's how bad we're screwing things up now. And it's not just like, the, oh, this sort of you know silly arbitrary marker. Okay, some of these kids went below this line and now they have to wear diapers again. But you think about the effect society-wide. You think about the effect on adults. And I don't. Know, is it is it too much of a stretch to to make the case for for, for uh there being an attempt for humans to be domesticated and brought onto some kind of farm or plantation or, or reservation right now and and compare this to to how dogs are, are uh, domestic, have been domestic. You know, the critical genetic component of of domestic dogs, differentiating them from wolves is that they are fundamentally uh, immature, right? Is that a lot of the mature, they are, they are what we have created as uh, domesticated dogs in many ways are uh, wolf puppies that never grow up that maintain that juvenile state of uh, psychological attachment to their to their elders which is why you know we breed dogs to be nice to get along with they're generally less aggressive um, and, and, and they have a lot of other physical traits that go like the curly tail even. adult wolf, wolf pups have curly tails. adult wolves do not. And yet we breed dogs to have curly. I, I know it's just like one little quirk, but all of these trends. And I, I, I think then to, uh, you know, some of the more paranoid, conspiracy-based characterizations of what are they doing to us? You know, they're they're seeking to enslave us all and get us plugged back into the matrix. And oh, eh. no, but they want us to to act like children so they can treat us like dogs. Yeah, uh, okay. <laughs> hard to deny that, actually, at this point. I, there 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 is something uh, certainly this far in, even with my theory of being more conspiracy of conspiracies rather than a singular conspiracy driving this. At this point, they figure this out. They know the effects. The people who are really determining the policy, they know what they're doing, and it's sick.
1: Sick and scary, absolutely. Well, let's get some good news before we go, since we're over All here. All
0: right. Well, one thing that's been shared to us in the uh, Producers Club chat from Popular Mechanics, of all places, popularmechanics.com, ayahuasca could do something amazing to your brain, study shows. Science is finally catching up with the potential powers of this psychedelic drink. In a new study, researchers found the traditional psychoactive drug ayahuasca simulates growth of new brain cells in the hippocampi, that's the plural of hippocampus of research mice. The hippocampus is responsible for many memory functions, and the mice dosed with ayahuasca also performed better in a battery of memory tests. Now, this headline, I, I, can I, Jim, this is good news, right? This is like undeniable good news that, like, what? Well, yes, we're figuring this out. This is amazing. But I'm going to turn this into bad news because as a libertarian, I got to criticize the way that the Popular Mechanics kind of left this out of the story, but. Uh, it's not science is finally catching up. Science is finally allowed to catch up with prohibition being reduced to the point where it's at least quasi-legal enough to be studied like this. Whereas you could write this headline, revelations about ayahuasca show us how much human progress has been robbed from us in the name of the war on drugs. And you know, like I, I would make the, the comparison to cannabis and CBD where we know – in the United States, there were so many kids dealing with seizures, like uncontrollable seizures. CBD essentially—I don't say cured, but like eliminated that worst, most painful, and disturbing of symptoms of, of kids having seizures from a variety of disorders. And you go, well, without government, we would have known the CBD seizure connection like what yeah. decades ago. Yeah, easily, easily, decades easily. ago. And then you go, how many children have died because they didn't have access to CBD or other cannabis-based medications in the last few decades? How many kids have gone through just how many seizure episodes have kids? How many like experiences of overwhelming pain and panic have children experienced in the past decades? because of the war on drugs. And you see this one with ayahuasca, and you're like, <laughs> how much more powerful can our brains be if we could apply even just this organic technology to its full potential? But we got to go to goodnewsnetwork.org to wrap this up. Of course, 50 years ago, ago today, a patent on the first computer mouse was presented to the engineer and inventor Douglas Engelbert. Uh, on this day in 1800, the U.S. Capitol building held its first session of the U.S. Congress. That's not good news. On the same 1869, the Suez Canal opened, linking the Mediterranean and the Red Seas. On the same 1969, SALT won negotiations in Helsinki, began aimed at limiting numbers of strategic nuclear weapons. That's a good one. Um, well, Danny DeVito is 76 years old today, uh, Gordon Lightfoot is 82 today. Uh, on this day in 1998 Israel's parliament overwhelmingly brewed the land for peace accord with the Palestinians, I think at least that was some legitimate good news in progress, on this day in 2005, U.S. Representative John Murtha, one of Congress's most accomplished Democrats called for an immediate U.S. withdrawal from Iraq, that was good news but funny how that one stands out amongst all the other bad news related to it on this day in 2010 musician poet Patti Smith won the National Book Award for her memoir, Just Kids I, I don't even know about that, but on this day, seven years ago, the 14th Dalai Lama became Tibet's official head of state at the age of 15. And with that, that's our show. Please don't forget to go to AdamVsTheMan.com. Sign up for our Patreon for $10 a month to join the Producers Club. And then check out the store at AdamVsTheMan.com. A lot of great stuff that CJ put in there. Really cool merchandise. Everything you possibly want with the Freedom or Adam Versus The Man logo. And remember, if you're a Producers Club, you get 15% off and free shipping. Support our affiliate cigarfederation.com where promo code ADAM10 Adam Pen all Caps gets the 10% off. And don't forget to check out my profile at MakeThemDebate.com, And hopefully we can make some more debates happen in the near future. Thanks so much for watching. Mwah! Peace and love, y'all. Choose happiness and be excellent to each other.